RCR with Paul Brennan, Reality Check Radio. So yesterday, you might have heard of the UN Agenda 30 online conference. There all day, I don't know how she did it, actually, hanging in for that all day, uh, in a virtual sense anyway, was Jaspreet Boparai of our Greenwashed program. And Jaspreet, someone had to do it. <laughs> yep, I took one for the team, Paul. Yeah, I did. certainly did. So first of all, what was this all about? UN Agenda 30. Remind us what that is first. So Agenda 2030 is what replaced what the United Nations called the Millennial Goal, Millennium Goals. And this is a, effectively those 17 Sustainable Development Goals, the pesky little uh, rainbow-colored symbol that we see everywhere that oh, is supposed the, the to 17. save us. There's mm-hmm. 17 of them, right? There's 17 of them. So they're going to save us. Okay. All right, so um, kind of map out how it went. What, what, who spoke? What was said? What stood out? Let's let's hear it. Well, first of all, we were the first kids of the block in the sense that from 18 to 20 of September last week, the uh, mid, you know, halfway through the SDGs, the conference, they call it the Anga 78th United Nations General Assembly 78th summit took place last week, where they talked about how we are halfway through to 2030, beginning from 2015. And where are we on the SDGs? So, of course, we have to be the, you know, the United Nations lab rats. And we are the first ones to put up this conference in New Zealand, timed a week later to show how well we are advancing. Oh, we're like the the kid in the classroom who's always trying to be the teacher's favorite, are we? Totally, totally. How cringy. How cringy. It it was it was a long day, I can tell you. I barely recovered overnight. And as I sit here having my raw milk smoothie this morning, okay, all the talk about emissions and getting rid of meat and uh, pricing farm emissions, all of those certainly they, they point to ponder. I wonder where we are heading with this. Listening to if I go from say from the very end of the conference, which was uh, pretty much about the climate change uh, experts. So we had uh, a Capiti Coast uh, councillor there, Sophie Hanford, who was also the founder of School Strike for Climate. She's now, I believe, the youngest councillor in the country. Oh, dear. Yep, she was there. We had a gentleman from Egypt. We had a gentleman from Cuba. And uh, we had a lady from uh, United Nations Wellington, our uh, local. Sorry, sorry, when you say Cuba and uh, Egypt, were they beaming in from there or they actually? Yeah. No, oh, they were beaming in for that. You know that because of disinformation and dangerous extremists, this conference went online. So it was supposed to be a live oh, one. Oh, is that, is that why it was online? Okay. And uh, Ashley Bloomfield, he was the keynote speaker. He began the conference by making a point of it, saying that, you know, he is disappointed that he could not be there with everyone in person. He's having to zoom in because of the high security in Wellington. But he said he's really glad that he lives in a country where the right to protest and the right to free speech are so protected. What a gaslighter. Hey, what a total <laughs> gaslighter. So he he was actually in Welling. He, he, he's in the country right now. Is that, is that what you Yeah, yeah, saying? yeah, yeah. He said he's in the country. And he did say that he's come from uh, spending three days in United Nations uh, in New York. He said, I've just come back from New York, spent three days there last week. So this is the conference I just mentioned that uh, the UN took a stock take of where it is. And now all us countries are taking our stock take. But it was basically a talk fest of, you know, yeah. a quarter of a day, one after the other. All I could hear was after a while was, 
the same buzzwords, resilience, community, climate change, emergencies, and how climate finance, climate finance is a big thing, Paul, because one has to follow the money. And that's where this was coming. Like the gentleman from Cuba and the gentleman from Egypt, both of them were making a point to mention to our uh, representative, uh, the Capitol Coast Councillor, Sophie, that, you know, we are poor countries. You guys need to do your bit. We are being destroyed. So uh, Cuba, give us, small give, island country. Give us money. Give us money, right? Give us money. Yeah. So the Capitol Coast Councillor, a young woman, right? <laughs> what age? I believe she said she was 20. So she's only been on the planet for 20 years. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and a sort of just an adult for about two. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Though she did make it a point to say that 16-year-olds should get the vote. They should only then will uh, her generation get a say in the future that they want. Yeah. Okay. Well, Greta really turned out well, didn't she? So yes. I suppose she's our version. Is she? So was she kind of one of the main reps of NZ in this thing? In in the climate change one, she was. Mm. But there were different segments, Paul. So there was something about disarmament and nuclear, uh, uh, you know, bars and weapons. There was a segment in the beginning about uh, the one that Ashley headed about health, and he spoke about how he is working towards this international treaty on health with the World Health Organization. And he said that's the biggest title he's ever had. But how? And he he didn't make any bones about it. He said that when there will be, it was not if, it's when there will be an next pandemic. We need to have vaccines ready for all the countries. We need to have, he said, equity. He says that's the one thing that was missing in our COVID response. Next time onwards, there needs to be equity in you know, everyone getting the vaccine at the same time. Oh, okay. I thought he may, maybe was was talking more about people who who should have had exemptions, but uh, no, nah, they're that granted that's... by him or denied by him. Okay, he wasn't talking about that. Um, presumably, he's on the big money. He's not doing I, this for free. I doubt it. Uh, you know, I'd like to believe people do it out of the goodness of their hearts. But seeing all those exemptions that actually refused one of them from someone in Invercargill who I know of who'd had one injury and was taken home in an ambulance and was told by the school, uh, you know, you need a second one, but by the doctor, don't take one. No exemptions were granted. So, no, not kindness. Thank you, Ashley. Okay, so um, I've seen a clip of Alan Bollard doing the fear porn, basically saying that we're going to get millions, millions of climate refugees coming into our little country from the Pacific Islands. Presumably, if the Pacific Islands are flooding due to sea level uh, rise, we are too, because we're in the Pacific. But, uh, oh no, millions on the way. So, Is that who the pack and stack housing is being made for? I I think, uh, Paul, he mentioned uh, millions in the more, you know, Southeast Asian context. He went on later in the section to say that New Zealand might have to deal with hundreds of thousands. Of, still, you know, yeah, hundreds of thousands for a country of just five million. That's a substantial number. But why would they come here if we are also in the Pacific and sinking? You don't want to go out of the frying pan into the fire, do you? Well, you would you, you could see that happening if you wanted to dilute a population of a country Destroy and the use culture. It to change the voting and culture of that country. You th- that would be something you, you would want to do or have happen. We began with a with doctors without borders 
you know, a few decades back. I remember reading about that as a child. We've now come to a world without borders. And you had all these panelists speaking about insular nationalism. Insular nationalism. Oh, what does that mean? They really mean? pick up the, the buzz phrases. They design these sort of word salad phrases. So, yeah, insular nationalism means, well, national, nationalism in a way means that you want to be kind of insular anyway. Yeah. So Brexit was used as an example of, you know, UK going the same way, but how you cannot do this. We are one world, one planet. It seems like we are all us. And, and everybody... so they, they, they are globalists. I mean, they are. They are. They, they plain sight, they're, they're admitting it, basically. Completely. The panel also went on to discussions about, uh, you know, women's rights. And uh, we had the spokesperson for the New Zealand Foundation of Women. I may have the name of the organization wrong, but uh, she spoke about the fact that how climate change is the biggest threat to women these days. How's that then? You tell me. Is there something in the the genes or something that, uh, what do you feel, feel the climate differently or something? These people talk about insular, inward-looking nationalism, and yet they are ready to break us into as many silos as possible. The Kapiti Coast Councillor went on to talk about how, and I don't know, don't ask me how they get these statistics, that 80% of those who suffer from climate change adverse events are women, yet only 30% women are represented in, you know, organizations fighting climate change. Okay. And talking about spatial planning in climate change. And that was interesting. So Alan Bollard also spoke about 15-minute cities. He spoke about managed retreat. We had our representatives talking about how how do you manage climate change by taking care of spatial planning, managing space, designing our cities. Yeah. Yeah. Zoning land. And I mean, to some extent, I understand you need to zone. But after a point, zoning land is essentially, the way I look at it as a layperson, trampling on private property rights. Yeah, in the end. Mm. That's what managed retreat is in the end. Mm. That is what so do we know how much he gets paid? Who would know? Who would I think know? you've got to ask these questions because people do things for good money. They'll sell themselves out if they have to. So I think we need to. I mean, we pay millions, millions to the United Nations every year. And there's, it's it's like that Medusa and number of uh, tentacles. You have, you know, UNESCO and UNICEF and different foundations in the country. You have the Helen Clark Foundation and all of them. And how are how are all of these being funded? Well, that's kind of where I'm going, I suppose. Would, would you say they're patriots? No, the way I have grown up. As an army mm. kid, knowing patriotism, or just just as a everyday person, this is not being patriotic. This is the exact opposite of. So this is selling out your country. Yep, this is not looking after your own backyard first. We think, are in a sorry. state where we can't manage our own hospitals, our own kids' schoolings. I mean, medical. There's no medical system to speak of right now. Food is priced beyond healthy food, at least not junk. But healthy mm. food is priced mm. beyond the reach of most ordinary Kiwis. Do you actually think we can deal with all of what's coming? It's these Marxists, and I will call it Marxism. It's always about cultural Marxism. You know, if you pit people against people, because what is the one thing any government, I think, would would be the worst nightmare? A united people, Paul. Yeah, you don't want that. Mm-hmm. 
<laughs> do you think they believe what they're saying? I believe at least the younger, more earnest ones do. You can yeah. see it all over the faces. He's been around. He was a Reserve Bank governor, if I remember rightly. Or I'd be cynical on, on him. I'd be cynical on him, yeah. Ashley Bloomfield has had a great uh, life, uh, upbringing. He's from the same suburb as me. He's not short of a dollar. Otherwise, he wouldn't be living there. So he's mm. doing all right. So, but do they believe this? That, uh, they they possibly actually do. I was uh, also, also listening to the uh, Labour MP, who's uh, a refugee from Eritrea, I believe, uh, Omar Ibrahim, speaking about the fact that how in the recent times, uh, anti-minority, anti-trans sentiments have uh, troubled him. And it makes me think, I look at them, absolutely meteoric rise to fame, Paul, you know, someone who's coming from Africa, then you come here, you complete a degree, and he has worked exceedingly hard, I have no doubt, for someone who did a degree in the daytime and cleaned the premises of the same university at nights. But so quickly, suddenly, the country you at one time, not not more than a few years ago, but aspired to you, suddenly start finding faults. What, there's, a bit of a pat- there's a bit of a pattern of that because there's the chap in the disinformation project from Sri Lanka. Oh, my good friends. A, yes, Sanjana. Had, had a great ride. We've looked after him. We've given him a reason for being. So I he's know. turning around and, and he's doing the scorpion on us. Um, the, the, the young New Zealander of the year from Fiji. Yeah. Probably the best he's ever done in his life. Not in Fiji, here. Mm-hmm. But telling mm-hmm. us. Us New Zealanders. I, I I know I know. What the uh, hell is going on, man? Yeah, we are talking about Sanjana Hatatova, and unfortunately, his name rolls off my tongue more easily than yours, Paul. Somehow, yeah, and but, um, and and Shanil Lal. Shanil Lal, but Sanjana last year he did an article on me and a couple of others just before the local body elections, uh, referring to us as. Uh, a cancer attacking the very grassroots of democracy. And I was yeah. wondering, I said, mate, you don't come from very far from where I come from, India and Sri Lanka. And, you know, let's let's not get holier than thou. But either these people are being bought in for this specific reason, Paul, or they are being given these positions of power and authority and they are flattered beyond belief. And then you just, you know, sort of get swept away in the wave of uh, just importance. Well, yeah, it, it's hard to know because in the Shanil Lal case, I've seen some of his posts. Now, if I carried on like that on social media, RCR would boot me out the door because yep, that's not I've the way to behave. Fair mm-hmm. enough. But this guy, Kiwi Bank, I'd never bank with them on principle now. And I tell people to never go near them because if that is their expression of values, something is wrong. But, hey, it's no problem. Eh, no problem. No, no problem at all. And you will have these same people, you know, fitted in international organizations. Now, Shanil Lal, he's, you know, global. He's also the global youth leader for open government partnerships <laughs> and indigenous really? rights. Yeah, yeah. 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 So what would gives? I, I, I can tell you, I sure as hell would never get one of those positions. Not that I aspire to. But no. yeah. Yeah. Well, we'd, we'd give you a medal for what you do. <laughs> okay. So would you... Um... How would you sum up what you were sort of put through? Put through today. <laughs> what I, put, yeah. I mean, does it leave you more like, oh my golly, it's worse than I thought, or the the train, the freight train is roaring down the track, and no one's putting the brakes on? I mean, what's going on? Um, uh, what what were your? Uh, what did you come away thinking? 
I, I don't think I was surprised, Paul, with what I heard yesterday. It was uh, pretty much a confirmation of what I and many other fellow conspiracy theorists have been warning about. But only thing, it's it's now in the open. They are not even bothering to hide it anymore. When you have these, you know, young activists, zealots, completely indoctrinated in one particular school of thought, and they all talk about diversity. But it is, I think, just diversity of uh, your physical appearance, not diversity of thought or opinion. They don't like that. I, I think it's time for New Zealand to smell the roses and uh, actually see what is going on in their very own backyard by yeah. some of the figures we trusted so much. And trust was another thing. If you go back through the recordings, Paul, you listen to how a repeated theme right from Ashley till the very end of the conference was New Zealanders among the OECD countries. We have amongst the lowest trust in mainstream media. And that was very worrying to them. Yeah, well, that means that they can't uh, use that to their advantage to to propagandize yeah. the the masses. That's that would be a concern to them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they 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 say the quiet bits out loud all the time, don't they? Really, they do. You just have to. You don't even have to read between the lines anymore. It's pretty much out there for anyone who's you know who's got the gumption to have a read of what's going on. That shows a certain degree of confidence among that group. That um, brazenness. That, that, yeah, that they obviously feel that they can they can be out loud and uh, fully exposed now without sort of a downside to the mission. I know, I know. When I listen to a twenty-year-old talking about pricing farm emissions, doing the right by our Pacific neighbors, uh, women's uh, rights. I mean, climate change is the biggest threat to women's rights. You you got to wonder, um, am I going slightly mad or have the rest of well, them? That, that's a gaslighting position, isn't it? Because then then if, you're, if you have a problem with the climate change narrative now, you are you, you're anti a particular well, gender, can't even say that. You're, you're anti-information. Yeah, you're anti-women now, you see? <laughs> Can't win. She, you can't she, win. She did speak about fossil fuels are the greatest weapon right now, and we use them every day. And sorry, what what does she mean by that? Do you think that I mean climate change is the biggest threat, and oh, fossil I, I fuels you. is what's what's flaming it. So that although know, that's the ammunition and the, the weapon of of yeah yeah of, of attacking of changing the, the nature yeah. yeah. Oh dear! Any any last thoughts, Jazz Preet? You, you give me a great opportunity to to offload a bit of uh, frustration here when we talk about these things. So maybe that was a bit all over the place. But any any final words? I'd say have have a read of the United Nations SDGs. At some point, they seem pretty innocuous, but uh, boy, if you start reading between the lines, you realize you are being told what to think. You are being told what to do. And if I know Kiwis. And I, I won't claim to know. I know them completely well. I've just been here 15 years. We are not going to take this line down. This mm. ain't right. This is our future being decided by an unappointed, unelected, un, unaccountable group. And uh, that is unacceptable. Surely it's something we have to deal with sooner than later if we don't want a full-on, well, we don't want well too done. much co- collateral damage from this, do we? Yeah, we, we we do need to. But sometimes, Paul, you know, you, you can't preempt the pain for everyone. Sometimes people do need, the pain has to come 
to them personally, to their doorstep, economically or otherwise, for them to see the writing on the wall. And I'd say we are uh, at the pointy end of the wedge now. Wow. Okay. Will you be um, you and Don be sort of looking at this in more in more depth on Greenwash next episode, next program? Yes, we will. And Jill and I will also be doing a segment on this. So yeah, there's between, and you can imagine five hours, there's a whole lot to do. But for now, I'll sip my raw milk smoothie and we'll take a break from what I went through yesterday. Okay, you got the whole weekend to recover. Jazz Preet, thank you for dropping in this morning and, and giving us that report. Cheers, Paul. RCR with Paul Brennan, Reality Check Radio.